0: Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Churches podcast. Regardless of what we do, if it is not infused with and carried out through the love of God, you know what it is? It's a waste of time. I don't want a lost person to walk through those doors and just hear noise but I want them to feel the love of God I want them to know that they're welcome here that God is a loving God and he loves them and he went to a cross and died for their sins I don't want them just to hear noise but they must feel and experience the love of God church if our love is right then faith is no problem if our love is right then our hope is in the right place When our love is right, we are right. Amen. And as you're standing, grab your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians 13. Amen. And if you don't have a Bible, that's all right. We're going to put it up on the screen for you today. Most of the time you hear 1 Corinthians 13 at a wedding, so if anybody needs to get married here today, <laughs> just speak now, <laughs> forever hold your peace, amen. 1 Corinthians 13, and uh, I'll jump into all that, uh, all that Paul is talking about uh, throughout the lesson here today, but I would really want to f- focus in on verse number 8, we'll begin reading there. Bible says, love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail, whether there are tongues, they will cease, whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away, for we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I Became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know, just as I also am known. And now abide faith, hope, and love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. The greatest of these is love. And I would just want to talk on the next little bit on this title. Simply put, Love Never Fails Love never fails. And if you will help me today, you may be seated in Jesus' name. Oh man, last week, uh, I was so um, I was so touched by the anointed singing of the Willbanks family. For those of you here, did you enjoy that last? Yes. Week? Man, what an incredible family they are, and it's uh, to me. It would be kind of hard going back to a church that you were just at a year uh, prior, but man, they were just anointed. The Spirit of the Lord was in this place, and I said last week right before I took up the offering that I think I had cried on just about every song. I admit it. I'm an emotional guy, okay? I let my emotions get the best of me. Uh, Don't judge me. I'm a crier, okay? I'll, I'll cry with the best of them. But on just about every song, I was so I was so overcome with God's goodness. I just could close my eyes and, and relate to just about every song, or I could think of someone that I knew that could relate to that song. And my mind just began to think about all the things that God has done for me. And can I tell you this morning that God is good, God is good. I like it when I say that in church and some of you that's been in it a while, you'll shout back all the time. Amen. Amen. Because you know just as well as I do, if probably not, probably better than I do, that God is good all the time and all the time God is good. Would you say amen? Amen. it's, uh, It's amazing to me when I think about the goodness of God. No matter what's going on in our life, God's still good. No matter if it's, if you love this weather or not. God is still good. No matter if if you woke up grumpy this morning, God is still good. Whether our bank accounts are full or we've just lost our bank account, it does not prevent God's goodness from being over our lives. And I don't know about you, but there is such liberty in being able to rejoice when the world says that you should be complaining and upset with God, upset with the way your life is going. But church, just because our position in life has changed doesn't mean that God has changed because He is still good. Amen. He's still good. Some of you need to let your situation know that. You need to remind what's going on in your life. You need to remind that circumstance. Hey, you need to tell it. Hey, God is still good. God is still on the throne. God is still in control of everything that's going on. Amen, amen. Psalms 19 and 1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows His handiwork. Amen. Rivers and streams and and oceans and lakes, they are a testimony to the goodness of God. Amen. The winds that cause trees to billow in worship and cause waves to crash to shore are proof of God's goodness, of God's greatness. Amen. He has granted mercy to the fallen. You know why? Because He's good. Amen. He has shown us His grace. You know why? Because He's good. He has given restoration to the weak because He is good. Amen. He has opened up blinded eyes and performed such great miracles. And He has saved the sinner. You know why? Because our God is a good God. In the midst of everything that is going on in life. In the midst of sickness and pain and death. God is still good. I look at the words of a downtrodden Job and he says, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. You know what? Job knew he knew that God was good, but he also knew that God was not Job. And Job knew that he has plans bigger than ours. He has thoughts that are higher than ours. And he sees the end from the beginning. You know why? Because he is good. Amen. If you want to see God for who He really is. Here's a good starting point. First Chronicles 16, Give thanks to the Lord for He is good. Psalms 34, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Psalms 100, Enter into His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and praise His name for the Lord is good and His love is eternal and His faithfulness endures to all generations. Amen. He is a good God. He is a great God. God is the original definition of good. He is the, de- he is good in and of himself. You know, for us, good is kind of like, it's an added quality. It's a, it becomes, it's an added something that we say about something. But for God, it just comes naturally for him because God is not just the greatest of beings. He is the best of all. That's exactly what Jesus meant when he said, No one is good but one God. No one is good but one. There are things in life that we call good. We say, This is good, or, or that is good, or Hey, you need to try this restaurant because their, their steak is good, or Hey, you need to read this book because this book is good. But all that we call good on earth is tainted and imperfect. God alone is goodness all by himself. Yes. God has been good to His people. Would you say amen? Amen. God has given us more than we deserve. (laughs) I don't deserve anything that I got. But I have everything because God is good. I stand before you today because God is good. You sit here in front of me today because God is good. And God gives us things and He gives us gifts. He's given us so many promises, precious promises, and He stands by every one of them. James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights. I'm thankful for every gift that God has given us, and, and, and He gives those gifts, like I've said, because He is good. All throughout history, God has given His people gifts. And every gift is good because He is good. But there is one gift that rises above the others. I believe the greatest, most essential gift that God gave His church, the gift that contains the most divine power, is the gift of His love working in us and through us. It's the greatest of all the gifts. Bible says in Romans 5, says, "And hope maketh not a shame because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. His love working in us and displayed one to another is the greatest testimony that you and I have to a lost world. Yes. I want to say that again. His love working in us and displayed one to another is the greatest testimony to a lost world. John 13 says, By this shall all men know, That ye are my disciples, if you have love one to another. That's the greatest testimony that we have to a lost world. You know why? Because love never fails. The greatest witness that you have in this church is the love that you have one to another. The greatest witness that you can have to a lost family member is your love of Jesus working in your life and through your life. It's the greatest thing that we got going for us. It's the greatest witness. It's the greatest testimony. And we look in the Bible, and one of the problems at the church of Corinth was that they were manifesting nearly every spiritual gift in existence, but they were not walking in love one for another. They loved all the all the big the flashy stuff. They loved the 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 gifts that got the most attention, that made the most scene. They loved the tongues and they loved prophecy and and other gifts that made them look spiritual in the eyes of others. But church, God was more interested in them coming to the place where they loved one another like he loved them. Yeah. You look all through 1 Corinthians, in chapters 12 through 14, they were written to combat the problems that existed in Corinth that related to the spiritual gifts and their usage in the church. And in the middle of chapter 13, it, it follows on the heels of chapter 12. If you literally sit down and read, you could read verses or chapters 12, 13, and 14 all together because they go all together. And and it, chapter 13 comes at it follows on the heels of chapter 12 with this statement that ends in verse 31 of chapter 12 it says but covet earnestly the best gifts and yet show I unto you a more excellent way a more excellent way. You can read it this way. You are coveting the best gifts, but I show you a much better way. You see, church, what matters most is not how smart we are. What matters most is not how wealthy, not how popular, not how famous, not how well-liked we are. What matters most is how well we love one another. And when we learn to love like Jesus loved, we discover in this life what matters most. That's it. Paul said, Though I speak with tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and, and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, and, and I have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. The whole idea of these verses is that love is distinct from and superior to anything that we can be and anything that we can do. That's Regardless of what we do, if it is not infused with and carried out through the love of God, you know what it is? It's a waste of time. It's a waste of time. Paul says, Though I speak with tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Here's the deal. You may be the greatest speaker, but that is no substitute for love. You may have a way with words and are able to give a speech that is so moving, that is so motivating, but if it is done without love, you are just a clanging symbol. No matter what you say, nor how you say it, nor how, nor how accurate it may be. Without love, Paul is saying it's just noise. Without love, our talk is cheap. You see, great oratory can move a person's uh, uh, emotions. Great rhetoric, it can move a person's mind. And a great speech can move a person's will. But only love, only love can move a person's heart. That's right. That's right. Skilled public speaking can move somebody to tears, but only one, or only love can move one to Jesus. And that should be the goal of every Christian. You and I exist. We are here as a church body to move people to Jesus, to get them to Jesus. And we got to do that through love. That's through love. If not, we're just making noise. We're a clanging cymbal. Nothing, just noise. I don't want a lost person to walk through those doors and just hear noise, but I want them to feel the love of God. I want them to know that they're welcome here, that God is a loving God, and He loves them, and He went to a cross and died for their sins. I don't want them just to hear noise, but they must feel and experience the love of God. Paul says, and though I have the gift of prophecy... And understand all mysteries and all knowledge. And though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains and have not love, I am nothing. Right. This verse mentions several amazing abilities. Gift of prophecy, understand all mysteries, all knowledge. All those things are amazing abilities. But even if a person was able to do all these things and he did not have the love of God in his heart, Paul is saying he was Nothing. Nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not love, it profiteth me nothing. Nothing. Love, you know what, church? Love is higher than the sacrificial. We can give away everything we own. But if we do it so without love in our hearts, it is a waste of time. And it does not profit us one bit. I believe as you go through the scriptures here and you study them out, the emphasis is clear. When love is absent, the Christian is nothing. Amen. When love is not present in your life, your walk is nothing and we can expect nothing. Regardless of what others may think of us or our abilities or our gifts. Without love, it is all just a giant waste of time. And, church, I don't believe it's the will of God for us to be down here just wasting our time. Oh, I know that there are some people that are just wasting their time. They're just sitting around saying, I'm just waiting on the Lord to come back. Let me say this I do believe that the Lord is coming back, and I don't think we have a whole lot longer to go, but we've been given a mission while here on this earth to occupy until He comes. We've been given a mission to go to teach all nations and make disciples. We've got a community that needs a Savior. And the only way that we're going to reach them is through the love of Jesus Christ. Would you say amen this morning? How are we going to win them? How are we going to keep us and them saved? We love them. We love them. We love them like Christ loved them because, you know why? Love never fails. Love never fails. Chapter 13, Paul goes on to give an in-depth description of love. He reveals all of its characteristics to us. Brother Bishop, it was almost as if it was an object it, that Paul was holding in his hand that was holding up right before them, and he was just turning it around to look at all the different facets, all the different things that, that love is. He's holding it up here, and he's giving them this description. He says this, Love suffers long. i I found myself... Um, one time sitting in my office and I was thinking about this verse and, and, and I want you to have this thought as we're, as we're going through this study this morning. If I'm supposed to be love, if I'm supposed to exhibit that, if that is supposed to be evident in my life, then as I read these words that Paul is writing as he's moved on by the, by the Spirit of the Lord, I could replace the word love with my name. If I'm supposed to be love, and if I'm supposed to love like Jesus loved, then, then when I read this, I, I should be able to say, Bryce is long-suffering. And I asked myself one time, I wrote in my journal, I said, Bryce, are you long-suffering? For every one of those, you could replace love with your name. Paul says, Love suffers long. The word suffers means patient endurance during very trying times. The literal meaning of the word is long tempered. This characteristic of love reveals the truth that love does not, it does not retaliate. There's a story one of Abraham Lincoln's most outspoken political enemies was a man named Edwin J. Stanton. Stanton called Lincoln a low, cunning clown he he just absolutely spoke terrible of him ridiculed him and to lincoln's credit he never responded to these insults yet when he was elected president lincoln chose stanton to be secretary of war yes he did and when asked why lincoln said because he is the best man for the job Later, when Lincoln had been assassinated, Stanton stood by the coffin which contains Lincoln, contained Lincoln's body and said through his tears, There lies the greatest ruler of men the world has ever seen. It was patient love in action that won this man over in the end. Love is long suffering. Oh, it's not always easy. It's not always easy to love somebody who ridicules you and makes fun of you, but are you long-suffering? Because love is. Love suffers long. Love is kind. This word refers to active goodness that goes forth on behalf of others. Genuine love is never hateful or mean, but it respects others and reaches out to them. Verse 4, love envieth not. True love is not jealous over the abilities, successes, or possessions of others. Instead of being jealous when other other people prosper or excel, love is pleased when they do well. Love is pleased when they do well. Jealousy is one of the horrible sins that if we're not careful, we harbor it in our hearts. If we're not careful... It was jealousy that put Daniel in the the den of lions. It was jealousy that put Joseph in that pit. Yet godly love is never jealous. Rather, it is pleased when others succeed. Love vaunteth not itself. Literally, this phrase means does not make a parade. Love love does not brag. It does not draw attention to itself or to what it is doing. Love does not have to be the center of attention. Uh, Verse 4 goes on to say, love is not puffed up. Love is not arrogant or proud. It realizes all that it has and all that it is has been given to it by God. No matter how great our talents, church, no matter how gifted we are, how spectacular our gifts are, everything that we are and everything that we have is a result of His divine. Divine grace. Thus love is humble because it remembers where it was before grace found it. It realizes where it would be apart from the grace of God. Oh I pray that we understand that this morning. Yes we are cleaned up and we have a suit and tie on today but I don't want to forget the pit where love found me. I don't want to forget the, the road that I was headed on before God stepped in and made a way. Verse 5, love does not behave itself unseemly. (laughs) Love is never rude. But it always treats others with compassion and consideration and respect. Love controls the emotions. It is not friendly one day and rude the next. Genuine love always makes Jesus look Good. I saw a man on Twitter the other day give a birthday shout out to another individual, and, and, he, and he said, "Happy birthday to such and-such." And he said this words, and I quote, uh, uh, "He said, "Happy birthday, one of the most genuine people I have ever met, and he's the same, no matter where you see him. He's the same, no matter where you see him." And I think and believe that that should be said of every Christian. I heard a story just yesterday of of someone that was at a at a hotel and they were eating at the hotel, you know, breakfast that they have, and and a, and a and and it was kind of packed in there, and 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 there was a lady who walked by to a table that was already seated. They had just wrapped up eating their their breakfast, and the lady walked by and she said, "You know, uh, you should get up when you're done eating." You know, when you're done eating, you need to get up. Because I, I need that seat. Yeah. And then and, and there did you say amen? The altar is over here. Come here. And then the the man replied, He's like, he's like, what? And she goes, I'm just saying. I'm just saying, and then she carried on her business. You know what I thought? Yeah, I'm just saying, I'm not a Christian. I'm just saying, love is never rude, love is genuine. Love it. You're, you're the same no matter where you are. And, and that should be us. We should be the same people. Sadly, I know that's not the case. But if we are going to demonstrate to this world the true love of God, that's exactly what should be said of us. We're not here just to love people on Sundays. Come on. Yes, right. We're not here just to love one another on Sundays. Right. But you're my brother tomorrow just as much as you are today. That's right. Love does not behave itself unseemly. Bryce does not behave himself unseemly. Love seeketh not our own. True love is never selfish and self-centered, but it is actively interested in what will profit others. It, it never looks at itself first, but it always considers another ahead of itself. Love is not easily provoked. True love keeps no record of evils, but it willingly endures all slights and injuries. This characteristic of love reminds us that love does not demand its own rights. It is willing to yield yield its will to, to the will of another. True love only responds in anger to that which angers God. All other things are handled through active, complete and immediate forgiveness. Love thinketh no evil. I'm trying to rush through these here, but I, I may have to stretch this till next week. I don't know. But love thinks no evil. Love takes no worthless inventory. Two thoughts are mine here. First, genuine love does not attribute evil motives to people. The actions of others are not seen in their most negative light. Love always thinks the best of others. Love always thinks the best of others. Second, genuine love does not dwell on what others may have done. Real love, true love, the love that I'm talking about, the love that I'm teaching about this morning, the love that never failed, it, ne- it does not remember the wrongdoings. It does not believe all that it hears about another. It does not look for faults in others. And I believe that if this attitude were practiced at the church at Corinth, it would solve nearly uh, uh, all of their church problems that existed. In fact, if this attitude was practiced in every church across the board, there would be no church problems. But someone once said, it is natural to love them that love us, (laughs) but it is supernatural to love them that hate us. It is natural to love them that love us. But it is supernatural to love them that hate us. But what has happened is we have become so comfortable in the natural that it makes it so much harder to be comfortable in the supernatural. We become very comfortable in the natural that when the supernatural tries to take place in our life, it's we don't and and I'm, I'm like this. I like my comfort. I do. I like my comfort. I like convenience. I like all those things. But church, we can't be comfortable in this. We've got to get ourselves comfortable in the supernatural. Yes, yes, yes. Amen but when we are uncomfortable in the natural we can be comfortable in the supernatural and being able to love someone that doesn't love you back church it is a supernatural thing being able to show uh, uh, love for the lost is a God thing and I pray God do whatever you gotta do let me love like that give me a burden for the lost if I have to be uncomfortable in the natural that's fine but God save my family God save my co-workers I don't care how uncomfortable I gotta be to be comfortable in the supernatural that's right amen love rejoices not in iniquity love rejoices in the truth while love hates all forms of evil it loves truth it rejoices when truth is proclaimed and when truth wins the victory love is glad for the truth even when the truth hurts love is glad when truth wins today love beareth all things love patiently endures and overlooks the faults in others the word beareth literally means to cover instead of parading the failures and faults of other people all over the world love covers them over and continues to love in spite of those things this is how God God loved us while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He covered us with His love. Love believeth all things, love always places the best possible interpretation on everything that happens. Love hopeth all things, love always expects the best possible outcome. It refuses to accept failure. Love is the eternal optimist. God, let us have this love. Let us show this love. Love, Paul says, never fails. Never fails when everything else in the world has passed away, when everything that is held as such held as such high esteem is gone, when knowledge and spiritual gifts no longer matter, love will remain. Love will still exist. It is the greatest constant. It is the great constant throughout eternity. Oh there are times when love may lose a battle and we experience that sometimes when our love is not returned from the person or the thing that we are trying to show love to. Uh, sometimes love you, loses a battle but while it may lose a battle here and there love has already won the war and the idea is not about success the idea is one of endurance when other things have been removed from you there will still be love when all things have passed away there will still be love when the things that we put our trust and our hope and things in this world those things are fleeting those things are dying when all that is said and done love will still remain love that is real is love that lasts love never fails never the Bible says three things abide faith hope and love yet faith and hope are encompassed inside of love therefore the greatest is love church if our love is right then faith is no problem if our love is right then our hope is in the right place when our love is right we are right When our love is right, we are right. What makes love so great? And I'm hurrying to a close. Love is the defining characteristic of who God is. When the Bible wanted to describe God in one sentence, it said, God is love. God is love. God does not have faith. After all, who would He place His faith in? God does not hope. He does not have hope. What would one who controls everything possible have to hope for? Yet God is love. Therefore, you and I are never more like God than when we learn to Love like God we're never more we're never more like him than when we learn to love like him this carries over into all of everything that we do when we give you know in scripture God loveth a cheerful giver You know why God loves a cheerful giver? Because when we give, He sees Himself in us. Because He's a giver. For God so loved the world that He gave. We're never more like God than when we love To be like God, we must learn to love like God. And I believe that when we can do this, our world will be altered for His glory. Would you stand with me today? Luke chapter 7 records a story. The Bible calls her a a woman of the city. A woman of the city. And this woman from the city comes to the home of the Pharisee where Jesus was invited over for dinner. She brings the alabaster box and the fragrant oil and she stood at the feet of Jesus, weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears. And, and she began to dry him with her hair. It's interesting when you look more into this story. This women, this woman is giving a title. Other than woman of the city, woman from the city, she's given a title two times in chapter 7. It calls her a sinner. Everybody say that with me, sinner, sinner. And then you read Simon, after watching her come in and do all that she did, he says to himself, and this is an exceptional key in the whole passage. You can't miss this. Simon says to himself, he thinks in his mind. If Jesus was a prophet, He would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching Him. For, listen to what He says, for she is a sinner. Now the term sinner, you have to understand, the title was given to someone who had blatant, Obvious ways of sinning. It was a lifestyle of sinning. You would not be called a sinner if you did just some, some little sin. You wouldn't be called a sinner, Brother Hogan, if it was just some small secret. Hey, no big deal. It wasn't that, it wasn't that bad. You're not a sinner. But this woman... She is a sinner. Now what is Simon doing? Well, if I could be so bold here this morning, I think he's doing what we all do if we're not careful. We categorize people secretly in our own hearts and minds. And that categorizing... That is not of God, sabotages our desire and our passion for God. And here's how Simon says to himself, She is a sinner. Now, by putting her in a lower category, he puts himself in a higher category. And here's the problem. When you subtly put yourself in a higher category above someone else, you begin to whittle away at your need of a Savior. I've learned over the years to view people as objects of God's love. If I start to think critical of someone, I'll catch myself and say to myself, Bryce, that's a man that God loves. That's a family that God loves. That's a woman, that's a child that God loves. That's a family that Jesus went to the cross and He died for their sins just like He died for your sins. Church, I don't want to ever get to the place where I feel like I don't need saving. Because I need saving today just as much as I did when I first received the gift of the Holy Ghost i still need a savior i still need him you still need him this world needs him and we're only going to give him to the world when we learn to love one another because love never